Welcome to the No More Late Fees podcast. I'm Jackie. And I'm Danielle, and we're just two best friends and ex-Blockbuster employees re-watching some of the best and worst movies from the late 90s and early 2000s. This week, we are talking about the 1998 indie film, Desert Blue. But before we dive in, let's get into some housekeeping. But if you love the podcast and you want to show your support, here are a few ways you can. Write us a review, please. We beg of you. <laughs> a good review, if you want in mind. It really helps us get more listeners. Um, and if you want to be featured, we do read reviews on the pod. And help us grow, head to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. And make sure you hit the subscribe button as well on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want more content, head on over to patreon.com slash no more late fees, become a bestie, and you'll receive behind the scenes videos, bonus clips that didn't make it into the pod, stickers, extra content. So head on over to patreon.com slash no more late fees. And let's get into our movie Desert Blue. Now, this one is definitely an off-the-cuff one. Like, I don't think a ton of people seen this movie. So and there is a trigger warning. There is suicide in this movie. So correct. Just FYI if you're listening. A young man in a desert town is determined to complete his dead father's project, the water park. And his life is completely changed when he encounters a rising Hollywood starlet who becomes marooned in this small town while on a road trip with her father. The movie stars Brendan Sexton III, Kate Hudson, John Hurd, Christina Ricci, Casey Affleck, Sarah Gilbert, Ethan Suppley, Peter Sarsgaard, and Michael Ironside. The movie was directed by Morgan J. Freeman, not the Morgan Freeman, but Morgan J. Freeman, and was also written by Morgan J. Freeman. You can watch it currently on Prime, Pluto, Tubi, and YouTube. But before we start, let's get into our ratings rewind. So you know the drill. Before we get into the movie, we'll reveal the rating our Y2K versions of ourselves we give. Then at the end, we'll see if our current selves agree with our initial rating. Our scale consists of, oh, would buy it, would buy it again. The best would plan repeat. Five-day rental. Would watch again. Two-day rental. Okay, but nothing to write home about. And same-day rental. Get those glad bags ready, because it's trash. <laughs> not, not, you know, not the movie, but the rating. Yeah. <laughs> So, Danielle, what is your Y2K rating of Desert Blue? So, when we saw this, it was like a top-tier Jackie and Danielle movie. So, and I, I I, own it, I think. So, if I don't own it on DVD, I know for sure I had it on VHS. Jackie? Same, I, I believe, if my memory serves me correctly... <laughs> That this was like the very first Jackie Danielle movie. It came out soon after we started hanging out watching movies together. And this was definitely on 
heavy rotation. Kate Hudson's premiere debut in a movie. Yeah. And her, I was not mad at her performance, even rewatching it. I was like, yeah, she had something. I read a letterbox review and they kind of just stated like how good she was in this movie and how after Almost Famous, it just, she lowbrowed it into rom-coms and really dismayed her ability. I mean, obviously now we can look at her and see that she has a spark, you know, Mm -hmm. but in this, it was just like, she had been doing this for decades when you see her in this movie. The box office budget for this movie was five million and it made about a hundred and seventy eight thousand dollars plus Uh, yeah (laughs) but this is like an indie indie like this movie from a distribution standpoint it did not get into a ton of theaters Mm. roger ebert did give it three stars i think now if we look at this cast this is one of those movies that you go back and say like one remember back then all of these a lot of these people blew up or did other bigger things and then the other element to it there was like two different teen movements happening during this time in the 90s and the late 90s so we had like the 10 things i hate about you she's all that those kind of movies and like can't hardly wait where you're getting like all these different teen casts Mm -hmm. together But on the flip side, you had like this indie movie movement happening with, again, young teen cast that were like totally the opposite of like the shiny Hollywood teen machine. But they were all happening at the same time. And there was a lot of crossover too. Like, you know, it wouldn't be like you just see these people in just the grittier teen movies. Sometimes they were crossing over into the more Hollywood ones. Mm -hmm. If you look at Christina Ricci in this movie, this is like, she did a few movies in this time period where you could see she's really trying to shake her child actor persona and grow into more adult roles, which we have seen time and time again, especially from the Disney starlets. So we, we saw a slew of movies with her being grittier and this is definitely one of them it's not (laughs) casper christina ricci for sure her character in this movie is wild yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah a hundred percent so this was shot in goldfield nevada i actually have family from goldfield my great-grandfather like lived there he grew up So it was kind of neat to read that little tidbit. And I asked my mom about it. She said she wasn't sure if he was born there, but he definitely lived there. And the two tidbits she had was he threw a $20 gold piece down an outhouse. And I'm like, that was a lot of money back then. She's (laughs) like, I know. That's why the story has, the legacy has carried on. (laughs) And he and his brother's ashes are scattered there, so have a little connection to Goldfield. It very much feels my mom owns a house in Nevada, in in the Carson City or Carson Valley. And this very much feels like a Nevada town, small Nevada town. (laughs) Kids have nothing to do very much like my mom's town that she lived in. She literally bought us ATVs so that we would have something to do 
because it's literally in the middle of the desert. So I, I, I felt a kinship with the kids <laughs> in this town and being bored and making their own fun. Yeah, I think it's one of the reasons that we probably gravitated to the movie. I, now I think back, like before I rewatched it, if you had asked me what this movie was about, I, I, I couldn't, I can't, I couldn't tell you. I could not remember the plot of this movie. It had been so long since I seen it. And when rewatching, I was like, wow, we were very bored. And not just, I don't want to say we were bored because the movie was boring, but like, I think the element of these kids trying to figure out how to entertain themselves was Mm -hmm. something that we related to in our very limited (laughs) access to things at the time growing up. And I also think that we were just so thirsty for the, these kinds of movies that weren't like cookie cut. They felt like real people that we could relate to. So, Agreed. And, and there is also that kind of like, I think we've talked about it before. It's almost like we have a secret, like there's this really cool hit movie that we know about and no one else is talking about. <laughs> there are quite a few of those for us. Welcome to the Dollhouse was another one where it was like, these little best kept secrets and everyone else is talking about the 10 things I hate about you and stuff. And we're like, Oh, well we watch desert blue. So. Uh, yeah. It's always, <laughs> it was always really good to like kind of put those film bros in their place. Cause they like yeah. always claim they know things and you're like, Oh, well you, I've seen desert blue. Or I think the other element as to why we probably saw this movie was because we were definitely on a Brendan sex in the third. Yes. Like obsession because we loved him as Warren in Empire Records. We loved Welcome to the Dollhouse. Mm-hmm. There was this one and Pecker yeah. that comes out, I, I think came out the next year, again with Christina Ricci. He he is very much a common thread in, in most of the indie movies that we <laughs> hold near and dear. Yeah, <laughs> I think we just like loved him a lot. But- yeah, let's let's dive into this movie. And I'm I'm going to preface. This is not a movie that is fast-paced. It no. is very indie. It, like the plot is pretty basic. Like you're not getting layers and layers and layers. It's just people living essentially. Yeah, there is a lot of exposition, so we'll probably go through this pretty quickly. Yeah. Because it's just a lot of how people interact with one another. Yeah. So the opening shot is a very weathered sign. It says Baxter Beach. Very obviously, they are in the middle of a desert, so... What beach? Where? Uh And it looks as though it's kind of a half-done water park. Blue, played by Brendan Sexton III, is refinishing some canoes. And his friend, Kale, played by Ethan Supley. Supley. Sorry, Ethan. (laughs) I should know. He shows up and he's talking about how they can earn $10 an hour helping to renovate, redo the town hotel. And Blue is very much on a mission. He keeps talking about how this was his dad's dream was to build this water park to get people to come to the town. And so he's set out to kind of fulfill that for his dad. We learn more about his dad in the hotel later on, but that's kind of all we get from 
for now. And then we see an 18 wheeler drive by it has the branding empire on the side. And then Casey Affleck from who from now on, we will just call by his character name, which is Pete shows up on his brand new ATV because he is very into all-terrain races Mm. and so he needs to have the latest and greatest in order to be competitive and he has a race coming up I guess that weekend so we are kind of just slowly introduced to different characters blue at one point does compare himself to Noah which Kale is quickly to quick to to point out kind of if if I build it they will come type thing and then we get this really weird empire cola jingle with like a really heavy twang and so it it seems like it's the the newest fad in cola products and their factory is right outside of the water park which we learn later the reason why blue's dad was building the water park where he where it was was because there was an aqueduct and he had made a deal with the county that he could feed off of that to fill the water park with water and or then, tourism. Correct. Because Baxter, I think that's the name of the town. It's mm-hmm. also Blue's last name. Very small town in the middle of the desert. I, I think it's in California because they reference Nevada later, but they talk about it like they're not in Nevada. Yeah, they talk about, I mean, he does mention that California will get like wiped out first and then they'll have beachfront properties so I'm I'm thinking maybe they are in Nevada okay yeah and so his dad was all set to open this water park like very obviously started building it and then Empire Cola came in and and essentially undercut him made a deal with the county probably paid the county a shit ton of money so that they could get the water diverted to a plant they wanted to build there which I've seen there are a lot of big factories in little desert towns in Nevada, so it feels very on brand. Morgan J. Freeman must have had some insight into that, some experience with that, to know uh, that kind of. I'm not sure. Like, I don't know. I He went to NYU. I don't know if he, where he grew up, I thought he lived on the east coast but you're right maybe he had he I mean he wrote it so he has to have some thought process behind it (laughs) yep because I mean he was spot on like the the factories coming in and kind of taking over resources from these little towns the way the kids acted because they had like absolutely nothing to do they didn't even have cable yeah and mama wasn't about to get satellite because then the aliens could find you yeah, she does mention that in order to get the cable, she was going to have to pay to like get the cable all the way down from like for like 45 miles or something. Yeah. So they were like mm, hard pass on that one. So our next scene is we're introduced to to Kate Hudson, who plays Sky, and her dad, who is a professor of recreation pop culture and recreation yeah something like that and so he's really big into those roadside attractions like biggest ball of yarn and baxter the town of baxter happens to have the largest ice cream cone and so he's very excited to go see it and we find out that sky is an actress she's eager to get back to 
LA. She has a couple of auditions she wants to get to, and she wants to watch the premiere live on TV of her show. And so uh. she she's kind of just being a whiner baby and just like appeasing her dad. She knows it makes him happy to do this stuff, but at the same time, she's like, I'm ready to go. Yeah, like no kid in that time period wants to be riding down the desert. I did find out that the director slash writer, he did grow up in Long Beach, California, and then went to NYU. Okay. Weird. I'd be interested to find out how he got such detailed insight into like these little desert towns. Yeah, it sucks. Like some of these movies when we're doing research we don't always find a lot and this one scraping scraping by to find Very information slim. so we see sarah gilbert who plays sandy she kind of mans the ice cream cone stand she she's kind of a supporting character she spends her days sitting in the little kiosk and throwing rocks into a bucket so this is the level of boredom we are at mm-hmm. Uh, no one in town has a cell phone. Sky is the only one with the cell phone. So it, they have very limited resources. And we we are introduced to Peter Sarsgaard's character as well. He is the owner of the hotel, I'm assuming. And he is just trying to get the insurance company to pay him out because there was a huge fire and burnt down the hotel. And he's trying to rebuild, like Jackie was saying earlier. And... He's just having trouble because insurance company won't send him a check. They actually are sending another inspector to come and look at the, you know, to inspect the the hotel. But he does come and hang out with Sarah Gilbert's character. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if they were dating or they were just friends. I, I don't know. But most of their scenes he they were together like if you saw her he was there so I just assumed (laughs) yeah their relationship was pretty ambiguous it could have gone either way yeah I wasn't um, interested either way but it was there you know yeah Billy played by Peter Sarsgaard is the older brother of Blue oh yes I I wasn't sure at first if they were related or not but yes and they're and so I guess the family owns the hotel and the then town. it seems like they own most of the town so it's literally Schitt's Creek <laughs> pretty <But> much <laughs> they own the hotel there's a they restaurant own the diner yeah. yeah they own a diner the ice and cream cone. The, the water park in the water park yeah they, <laughs> they own the town like yeah on Schitt's Creek and the mom is a little kooky yeah so after going to the ice cream cone Sky and her dad end up going to the restaurant to eat correct yes but we're introduced to Christina Ricci's character Eli Eli by an explosion well First, we get to the the general store. General store <laughs> that's owned by Cole Kale. Sorry, the the store that's owned by Kale. His Does well, Kale his family. Own, his own dad does. Okay. I'm assuming because when they're taking the oranges later, he's he's like, "Well, your dad mind." So I'm assuming his dad uh, owns the store. But who else? Sally, I think is her name. 
Haley works at the yeah. store and a package comes in for Eli. Her dad is the sheriff. And so she takes the package and she's out, headed out. And we find out later that what's in the package is our explosives. And she likes a little bit of a pyro. Like mm-hmm. she likes to blow shit up. Yeah, without <laughs> Eli is privileged as fuck. Yeah. Yes, it's a boring town. Yes, there's not a lot of stuff to do. So blowing up stuff m- might be the most rebellious thing that she can do. And I'm guessing she acts out this way because her dad is the sheriff. I love how the deputy gives zero fucks about the fact that her dad is the sheriff because he arrests She's a her. Nepo baby. Yeah, <laughs> Nepo baby. And he arrests her and the... <laughs> And she's not even in there for like 10 minutes. The dad's like, it's not a big deal. Or pretty much the the deputy's like, yo, this is illegal. It's not just illegal. A, a it's a, these are federal crimes. And he has yeah. like evidence, like he takes his job very seriously. But the sheriff is like, look, if you want to be sheriff, don't go. to let my baby go. Yeah, don't play <laughs> around with me. So, um, and yeah. I as blue would have been fucking livid yeah because she blows up one of the canoes at his water park that he is working on refinishing and like he's mad but he's not mad enough for my liking i don't like her character in this movie so eli likes to blow shit up she blew up the canoe she gets hauled to jail. Her sheriff daddy gets her out. And we and then and uh, her boyfriend is Pete. Pete. Yes, yeah. the the all-terrain racer. I I have been to a lot of weird races <laughs> in my life. And I've never seen an ATV race. Not to say that they don't exist. It just it's never hit my radar. <laughs> I would this is definitely small town, ain't got shit to do. Yeah. Especially when the FBI comes and some of the things that happen there. And there is exactly one black character in this whole movie, and it's the FBI agent. I, You know what? I was surprised there was even one. I mean, we can't be mad at And I mean, it is probably very true to little desert towns. Yeah, I wouldn't expect for us to be out there. Yeah. I could be wrong. (laughs) But I'm not surprised. When you go visit Miss Terry, then... <laughs> I'm going to be looking around. I've been to Utah, y'all. I know how <laughs> shit goes down. <laughs> so while Daddy's getting Eli out of jail, there is another explosion. So everyone immediately... Like, the whole town is just like, oh, Eli. Every time they hear something fucking explode. That's how, like, desensitized they are to it. Did it not and, give you sweet home Alabama vibes like Eli and Melanie were were besties blowing shit up, cats and all? Was Melanie doing that? Mm-hmm. She put the the explosion on the cat and they thought the cat died. Uh, yeah. It was her badass. Yeah. I just remember the 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 old man firing the cannon. <laughs> <laughs> So they hear another explosion. Everyone's like, oh, Eli, but Eli was in jail. And so they're like, oh, what the fuck was that if it wasn't Eli right. blowing shit up? So they go and they see a 18-wheeler tanker has overturned. 
Apparently, the driver took the turn too sharply. He's sitting there and he's like, my arm's just hurting. I'm pretty much okay. And so the the town doctor shows up and takes him to to be looked after, get a little checkup. And then everyone is like, what the fuck is that smell? And it's whatever liquid liquid secret secret ingredient yes the secret ingredient for the empire cola and it is concentrated which is how the driver like validated it stinking but everyone's like this is awful we need to and it wasn't it foamy too? it was it was foamy all of it was real sketch and then you know I'm watching this movie brand new right like I don't remember anything and I was like oh man oh man it's gonna be a conspiracy they're gonna take down the cola machine and like i'm thinking all this stuff is gonna happen you Not could at have all. been more wrong so wrong someone actually said that this was like a less heavier version of the oliver stone movie u-turn mm. in this and i'm like in ways yeah u-turn light yeah, very three late. point turn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So Sky's dad, I never get a name on him. I just call him dad the whole movie. Dad's like, I saw the whole thing. And so they're like, well, we need to bring you in for questioning. They do a full background check on this man. And he's like, why are you inquiring? Like, I just was telling you what I saw. Like, why are you checking me out? Like, what is what is happening? And they're like, oh, well, we just want to be sure. Yeah, the it's John Hurd. And to people who don't know who that is, that is Kevin's dad from Home Alone. So yes. Mr. He, McAllister. Mr. McAllister is in this movie. <laughs> so while dad is kind of, I'll help out, Blue sees Sky for the first time and is immediately smitten in his very blue way in um, stalker way because that's all he doing is stalking he was creeping <laughs> at the beginning her cell phone isn't working poor baby and she has a really important interview that she has to get back to la for and eli walks up and i really do love this line so <laughs> eli walks up and she says she seems like a real bitch and then blue comes to Sky's defense. He has not spoken to this girl at nope. all. And he says, you don't even know her. And Eli responds, that's why I said, seems like. <laughs> I do like what, like, Eli is just rude. Yeah. Entitled, an asshole. Like, uh, don't, don't like it. But she does confront Sky at some point or says something to her but I like how Sky responds like can I help you yes. and I was like that's my girl <laughs> that's exactly rise how. above it's not even it's like you want to fuck with me bitch you have something yeah. to say because I didn't hear you <laughs> yeah she like does not play with her and and Sky does kind of throw a hissy fit she's just like laying on the horn while dad's like talking to the fucking cops yeah that was a little extra she she too is entitled yes very much so so blue decides he wants to go out and investigate because he's <laughs> gonna crack this case right so he goes out i believe with kale and eli 
And then this is when Sky and Dad go to the diner because the, the, I think the sheriff tells him like we just want you to hang around for a little bit. Yeah. And so they go to the diner. This is when we find out there's no cable and aliens will come if there's a satellite <laughs> dish. Right. Because um, this... does. Go ahead. Because we're waiting for the FBI hasn't come or mm-hmm. the EPA. So they're yeah. wait. That's who they're waiting for. Yeah. They need to be cleared because it's like a chemical spill. Right. Essentially. So Sky does borrow the phone at the diner. My wonderment is, is she racking up this lady's phone bill or is it a pay phone? Well, I mean, she's calling California, so I don't even think it's long distance. I hope not. I mean, they're in Nevada. Is it long distance to call California? It used to be long distance to call a different area code. You're right. It's been so long. I don't know. Well, I just hope that lady doesn't get a bill in the mail. Well, I don't know. <laughs> so then we get notified that the truck driver has died. That's when shit gets really serious because yes. now they have to quarantine the entire town because they don't, they have to find out. They have to do a, I want to say biopsy. That's not right. Autopsy. Thank you. <laughs> they have to do an autopsy to find out why he died so now everyone's freaking out. And I do love Sandy, Sarah Gilbert's characters kind of flipping out at this and like ranting and raving. And, you know, they're like, well, why? You know, you, I, I think it's actually Blue's mom's who's like, have you gone anywhere? <laughs> like yeah. you're talking about leaving. And she's like, it's not that I want to go anywhere. It's the fact that I can't that I'm told that I can't, that is making me upset, which (laughs) I think we can all relate to that going through what we, yeah. So Sky declares she cannot stay and be quarantined Mm -hmm. because she Mm -hmm. has a really big audition tomorrow and everyone's like, get the fuck out of here with that noise. Yeah. No one cares. Yeah. Because no one even knows who she is in this town. Because they don't have cables. So yeah, (laughs) they're just looking at her like, "Mm, okay, you're not special. We don't know you. Yeah. So Sky and because the hotel has burnt down, dad and Sky have to stay Blue's house. Yeah. Because they have nowhere else to stay. Oh, uh, we do get a cutaway scene where Eli has like taken a sample of whatever liquid was in the truck <laughs> and she's doing some sciency Bunsen burner shit, which comes back into play later. But I'm like, okay, so not only do we explode things, we're just a full on chemist in the garage. This is why they started pulling those books from the library <laughs> with all the instructions on how to make bombs because yeah. of there were people legitimately doing this at home and she like goes into detail like in a later scene skies in the in the garage or whatever workshop with her and she's like what is this for and eli is like it's it's a pipe you put like nails and blah 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 a shrapnel and you fill it full of gunpowder and then i want a remote detonator but they're like 500 bucks like she's going on and on about a fucking pipe bomb and how to build it I'm a little scared just us talking about it is going to yeah. get us flagged by the FBI. <laughs> I know you're listening. We're just recounting 
the movie. At this point, I think this is when at nighttime they have their like first bonfire, I guess, because Blue and Sky have been hanging out. He takes her, I believe he takes her to the water park at this point. Yeah. Like he shows her what it is and tells him about his dreams and wishes, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, about his daddy. And Sky also tells him about how she's the lead on Maggie's World and she was nominated for a Golden Globe. He misunderstands that for Golden Gloves. He's like, oh, you a fighter too? (laughs) This girl is straight getting played all the time because nobody knows her show and is not impressed that she's on a show. But he does bring her to the bonfire Mm -hmm. that they have and of course his friends call him out like he tries to wipe that i guess they're passing around looks like some jim bean to me he tries to wipe the mouth and she eli's like there's no point if whatever we got you got like dude we've all been exposed but this is really sky's opportunity to kind of like show that she's not such a stiff I guess you could say not up or shut up yeah and I think after this interaction like the rest of the group kind of warms up to her mm-hmm. so at this point it's Kale, Sky, Blue, Pete and Eli we don't and have Haley. and Haley yeah. right and we don't have Sandy around also to be noted Kale has a crush on Haley who works at his dad's store. Yeah. So, and she, the actress is, is it Asidra Vega? And the actor who plays her father, Renee Rivera, those are, they're, they're two other people of color in the movie. So doing better each time we look. (laughs) Yeah. So this is when Eli throws some mystery powder into the fire and it makes a big bada boom. And they're all like, Eli, stop throwing gunpowder into the fire. And she's like, this is what I boiled down from those chemicals. It's highly flammable. Like she is. It's literally like the start of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. That's exactly what it made me think of. And then she's just so morose. She's talking about how they could go at any time. And like, I would love to like die in front of my parents and like. All of this fucking stuff, which, spoiler alert, we find out later that they thought Blue's father passed away in the motel fire, and we find out that that's not true. His dad had committed suicide, and Blue set the fire to kind of protect his dad's reputation type thing. And so I'm like, knowing that, watching this, I'm like, she's, like, she didn't know, but at the same time, like, this boy's dad just fucking died tragically and you're talking about like killing yourself in front of your parents she's just so obsessed with i I, you know i never quite understood people who felt the need to be so extreme Mm -hmm. almost as if like they were so bored in their life and I find that when you have that a lot of time, it just speaks to how privileged you are. To be bored in that way mm-hmm. means that you have an extreme amount of just free time Yeah, that not everyone is afforded. And so when you start playing around with dumb bullshit, not even out of the name of like curiosity or learning, but just boredom, 
yeah. means that mm, life is a lot easier for you yeah. to just have this free time to be doing stupid shit. Exactly. We did. We do find out that um, the town was an old mining town. And after the mine dried up, Blue's dad was doing everything he could to kind of keep it going. And that's why he built the giant ice cream cone and was building the, the water park. He wanted it to be a tourist spot and just never really reached that dream well i mean he did inspire other towns to do the same thing that's pretty much what started other people having like (laughs) the largest i don't know cucumber i don't know what else is out there i have been to the largest rocking chair before oh wow i've never done any of that stuff i've never been to any of those like weird kitschy things so they have the bonfire and then the next day they still don't know what happened to the guy so they're still quarantined yeah the fbi shows up i didn't take many notes about like that subplot but sarah gilbert's character is still panicking and so she that's when she has the conversation with the fbi agent and she's like here here's like the book of epa guidelines you can read this whole thing knock yourself out and that kind of appeases her for a while. Dad and Sky go and like kind of walk around the hotel and are looking in it and stuff. And then Billy gets a word that insurance is not paying out on his claim because they're saying someone set fire to the hotel. There is evidence of, of arson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is weird because at the end of the movie, the right. like, are you covered for arson? And he says, yes. Does he just have to refile the claim under arson rather I than think so. accidental? Well, then there has to be like an inve- a different kind mm-hmm. of investigation. So that's going to ra- take the time to get paid out because that's they have true. to decide if he did the arson for the insurance money, mm-hmm. which I'm sure is a different thing. So, yeah, I think. It well, just- and a person died. Right. They don't know that that person did not die because of the fire. Which I'm surprised. I mean, I guess maybe because his maybe he his whole body was burnt up that they couldn't do an autopsy to find that he was actually asphyxiated. I feel like there's always a way to determine cause of death. Shout shout out to mom, my mom, because she would say that Bones would know she's been on a Bones kick lately. Um, They would figure it out. I thought you were saying like actual Bones would tell the tale. Well. (laughs) yes because i, bones, I mean he, he yeah. probably have broken neck bones i would think something but yeah, something to 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 indicate that he did not perish in the fire hmm. so now I don't... <laughs> blue is is painting his canoes just working diligently on the water park <laughs> and this is where we get the term danielle bromby what so Pete asks Blue if he got a Fromby with Sky. Did you miss this part? Apparently. And Blue is like, what the fuck is a Fromby? And Pete says, from behind. <laughs> <laughs> So here's my question. Is a frombie from behind? Does he mean 
doggy style or anal? I, I'm just behind. <laughs> <laughs> and when you said this is where we got this from, did we use this terminology, you and I? Like, no, I'm joke? just saying that this is where we are oh, introduced, <laughs> introduced to the term. Hold on, let me, I'm going to Urban Dictionary this and see if it's an actual term or if it was made up for entertainment uh, sake, I guess. Yeah. Didn't take off, it's like fetch. Yeah, it's on Urban Dictionary. And does it answer the, my question? No, it doesn't. The act of fucking someone from behind, hence Fromby. And then the sentence they give as an example is my favorite position is from B. The fuck is this? There are words oh. for the other things. So what? Okay. Okay. So it does say adjective, descriptive position, doggy style. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to make sure for our listeners sake that oh, they yeah. understood because, you know, they, I don't want them to go and say, I would like a from B. A to frombie or to be frombied or whatever and it goes places they weren't expecting and they get it in the butt and they were just talking about doggy style or maybe they wanted it in the butt and they get doggy style like either way i just want a clarification it's fair we are learning and growing as people <laughs> on the urban dictionary Rombie. Yeah, i don't find that to be something that's going to be added to my vernacular uh, no but who knows? <laughs> now we just whip it out at parties. I already think of three different shirts that we need to make from this, <laughs> this movie alone. Fromby. Fromby. And the cola. What's the name of the cola? Empire Somebody? Cola. Empire Cola. And then the name of Kate Hudson's TV show. But what is it? Maggie's Molly? Way. Maggie's Way. Which, what was the name of the TV show Rex Manning was on? It was oh. something way. Oh, I don't know. Family way. Oh, maybe it's a coincidence. That's what, it, like, okay, maybe Maggie is a spinoff of Rex Manning's show and this lives in the same <laughs> universe. Yeah, maybe. Could anyway. <laughs> oh, this is such a meandering episode. So we do also get a weird discussion between Haley and Kale about how she's she's drinking a lot of water so she can pee out her hangover. Mind you, her dad is the town doctor. And he's like, no, you're just fucking rehydrating because alcohol dehydrates you. And she's like, no, just peeing out my hangover. So that may be a new term we use, too. Let's be honest, Jackie. You and I don't drink enough anymore. That's true. I got a story. So when I was in Texas, Jackie got me hooked on some... I am not a pusher, Danielle. <laughs> You're my pusher, baby. I'm just a good hostess, and I just have things for people to enjoy that are legal to enjoy. Well, it helps my anxiety. <laughs> and I'm so also supporting the troops at this yes. Time. Maybe Hometown Hero will give us a sponsorship. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Hometown Hero, because I have a hard time sleeping sometimes and it's very helpful. But one of the mistakes I made when I went to Austin is I forgot to check my mail. Well, sorry. I forgot to leave my 
mail key for someone to check my mail or stop your mail. Right. Right. I didn't think it through post office pissed. I come home and there's just a slip that says, I guess you move bitch. And And I was like, I did it, but I had to actually go to the post office and anyone who knows me knows, I don't even fucking know where that shit is. So I went to the post office and I was just like, Hey, I would like my mail and to let you know that I did not move. And so the lady was like, okay, no problem. And I, I got all my packages and stuff like that, but they didn't have my special delivery. And I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I have the tracking number. It says it's in Boyan. Where at? And she's like, so I feel like the post office stole it. They probably saw it was from hometown heroes. And they were like, that's some legit shit. <laughs> yeah. Coming home with me because this bitch moved. Yeah. And then they they gave me that crepe shit. <laughs> that's a whole other story. That's another story. <laughs> And like something else I ordered on Amazon and I was really like having a conspiracy theory, but I have to give props to hometown heroes. Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. I have to give props to hometown heroes because I sent them an email and just said, Hey, like I didn't get my package. They were like, let us look into it. No worries. Literally two days later, my, my, they sent me a new box. Love that customer service. I do. I I feel like we should just link their their website in this episode so that <laughs> remember when Jackie said she wasn't a pusher I'm not but I just if people want to find out I don't even do any of that stuff <laughs> Ken is always like why do you have this I'm like I want to be a good hostess some people drink so we have like every fucking alcohol under the sun so why wouldn't I have something for people that may not want to drink but like to imbibe in edibles and these these edibles are like the lightest weight ever. Like I can del- sniff something, eight. yeah, and I and... will pass out. So anyway, that is our uh, <laughs> our plug, plug for, for hometown, uh, hometown Hero. heroes. We really appreciate you. Great customer service, and please sponsor us. Yeah. Did you grow up with a lack of parental supervision? Do you know all the lyrics to the Fresh Prince of Bel Air? Remember Mayor McCheese and the Fry Guys? Have an inexplicable love for the California Raisins? Can you remember Madonna's original face? Then you might be a part of the Doom Generation. Laugh until you cry with us each week as we stumble blindly through the memories of the movie and other random things that doomed us to be the salty, sarcastic, sardonic ladies you want to hang with. You know us. You love us. You can't fucking live without us. Doom Generation. Available everywhere you find podcasts. Now we're Ooh. playing baseball with fruit. Ooh, yes. That I do recall this being a formative memory in my brain for some reason. I I don't remember <laughs> much from this movie, but I do remember them beating the shit out of some oranges. Yeah, so they it's kale and blue, and they're all just they're playing baseball, but they're using oranges instead of. Yeah. And Sky is playing catcher, which Ken's like, why is she even trying to catch? Like, obviously, the fruit like explodes on contact with the bat. So, well, not everyone is gonna hit hit it. Maybe I don't. She didn't have a mitt or anything. She was just squatting behind the batter, which I feel like is highly unsafe. You're right. I didn't think about it. <laughs> 
There was no mask. I mean, I'm sure her face is her moneymaker. She's an yeah. actress. Be protecting that sky. She definitely wasn't thinking like Amber from Clueless. No. And then they are attacked by Pete and Eli who have a potato launcher. Oh. And it was at this point where I was like, this checks so many bored desert kid boxes it's not even <laughs> funny like the amount of weird crap my cousins had and they're just like oh yeah we just go out and use the potato gun or oh yeah i just ride my sprint go-kart around like it was very surreal to go visit them because like their activities were vastly different <laughs> than like suburban activities yeah I, I mean, I watched your your home videos from camping yeah. <laughs> and watched Jackie and her family, her siblings and cousins had an entire session where they painted rocks, well, non-ironically. Yes, I get And this wasn't even that group of cousins. This was like my the second cousins that lived in, the, in Nevada. <laughs> like the rock painting was even different from the activities the Nevada cousins did. So yeah, <laughs> I was exposed to a, a wealth of different lifestyles <laughs> <laughs> in my youth. And so then we see Kale is in pain. He's at the diner and mom is like removing something from his eye. And he's like, what was it? And she's like, pulp. And I'm like, you bastard, you got fucking orange juice in the eye because you're playing orange baseball. It dummy. <laughs> like, and I'm surprised that he didn't know what it was. Yeah. So Pete tries to leave to go to the race. He gets to the blockade and the FBI agents are just like, no, you can't. You can't leave the town. You were quarantined. So Pete is big, big mad about that because he just bought this new all-terrain vehicle <laughs> so that he could win the race and now so-and-so is going to win the race and so he he's pissed off and then sarah gilbert's character approaches the fbi agent and she's like according to my research you have to tell us what you know like you can't keep us in the dark are you still awake yes i'm you weren't even <laughs> I'm watching you. So the FBI agent's like, okay, this is what we know. Like the EPA still hasn't completed. Like essentially we don't know anything to tell you anything. Like as soon as we know, we'll let you know. Now we're back at the diner. Billy's smoking inside. Real weird to see nowadays. <laughs> yeah. And he he kind of has the finalized insurance report, and that's when he he notes that there are traces of gasoline in the samples. And then there's another bonfire, and Eli's talking about death some more. Do you want to be cremated or buried? Again, Blue's father just passed away in a fire. I really don't think Eli has experienced death in that way. And like that, that's why she's just so ignorant about her sensitivity. Plus, I think also Blue is repressing a lot of stuff too. Like yeah. he obviously was caring a lot. Like he found his dad dead, had to drag him to the hotel 
and then decided mm, his dad was at the hotel. Oh, he found okay. him in his hotel room. Oh, okay. But he still had to take him down, put him in bed, and then set the hotel. Were room. his parents split up? Yeah, she oh, she said okay. that like she thought he was crazy because he was trying to build the water park, and he she, he thought she was crazy because the UFOs. Right. She literally has like <laughs> a framed picture on her wall of like <laughs> a grainy ass disc that she took a picture of. Yeah, I relate. <laughs> So, yes, Blue was caring a lot, and he was probably hyper-focused on the water park as a way to kind of repress his grief. Yeah. So, go ahead. I was going to say, I can only imagine, like, your father passing away, but, like, that he chose to do it in that way is even more devastating. But he shouldn't have had to carry that by himself. Yeah. And then Sky kind of poses the question to the group, like, if if you could do one thing right now, what would it be? And everyone's kind of like, oh, I don't know. And then Kale's like, I want to become sheriff. She's like, right now, like not in the future right now. And so then she's like, oh, like generally to the group, she's like, grow some balls and she grabs blue and she kisses him and then everyone just starts making out with one another it was giving we're gonna start a porn together it's giving we're about to have a group sesh if you know what i mean (laughs) but not fun very swinger adjacent yeah I mean, but this is a big moment for Kale because Haley Mm -hmm. kisses him and he's had a crush on her. So there's that. Yep. And Mm -hmm. so now we're at the next day and Pete's making a run for it. Like he just (laughs) through the barricade on his ATV and he's going to that race no matter what. And the fucking drunk ass. So there's two FBI agents. There's the lady and then there's the man. The man is just like a drunk fool. Doesn't know what's going on. And he shoots Pete in the, from behind in the shoulder. A frumby. A frumby. He performs a frumby on Pete and shoots him through the shoulder. And then he has the audacity to say that he meant to shoot the tire. Yeah. <laughs> Sir, you were drunk. Yeah. So obviously, <laughs> obviously Blue's mom is up in arms is like, he's a kid. And what the hell? Like everyone's pretty pissed at him. The other agent tells him to go. I, I think she's higher ranking than him too, because she yeah. tells him like, go walk it off or whatever. But like, everyone's pretty pissed. And not as pissed as Eli. No. <laughs> so Eli takes it upon herself to exact vengeance and commit uh, more federal federal crimes. She blows up the fucker's car. Yeah. And then calls him buttjiz. Maybe that answers our question about Frumbies, Danielle. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> don't know. I think that they were really working on those insults back then. And so now the FBI is like, you just blew up federal property. (laughs) And Eli's response from her place of privilege and Sheriff Daddy always getting her out of a pickle. She's like, I promise not to blow anything else up. That's not like she's prompted by that. They say, well, do you promise not to do this again? And she says, yes, she doesn't. 
she, I swear, if they didn't say that to her, she wouldn't have said shit. She was just like, whatever. And I'm like, I was mad. I was like, y'all getting Leonard Gray with this shit again? It's crazy. So now there's good news. So if Pete just had waited a couple more hours, he would have found out that the, the autopsy results came back. The driver died from a blood clot, and it was nothing to do with the chemicals, which I still side-eye. Mm-hmm. So Baxter, the town of Baxter, is safe. And now Sky is less sad because yeah. she has to leave Blue. <laughs> I'd have been like, boo, come with me to California because ain't shit happening here. Do you all even go to school? Like, how old are they? That Ken's like, why do they even need two police officers there's only 10 people in town. <laughs> I was like, well, maybe they need time off sometimes. But he's like, how is that town supporting a diner, a motel, like a general, like the general store makes sense. But he's like, how, like what? It makes no sense. The hotel was weird because I'm like, who's stopping here? Yeah, and I think that was Blue's dad's intention was, like, get enough business to where, like, the hotel is full, there's enough things to do in town, make it a little touristy town, much like like, uh, Virginia City or some of the ghost towns that are in Nevada that kind of, that that's how they get their business is tourism. Well, maybe they'll get franchised by Rosebud hotel- Motels. Maybe. <laughs> One can only hope. So Sky and Dad are leaving in the morning. There's also like this whole subplot that I didn't even bring up where Dad and Mom Blue's are kind mom, of flirting. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. So it's like, okay, well, it's very drive me crazy. Yeah. We're like, the kids are are into each other and the parents are dating type thing so sky and blue are kind of spending time together since it's their last day and sky starts hearing a cell phone ringing in the motel and and blue kind of he he doesn't want to go and look so she goes by herself but then she calls him over because it's the male fbi agent is like (laughs) passed out out in the hotel and that's when blue kind of starts freaking out his feelings yeah Yeah. and so blue at this point after they get help and everything he tells sky that he he found his dad and burnt the hotel down to kind of cover up his suicide and his dad did leave a note but it didn't really give a reason why it was just an apology i mean the mom does say to blue to sky's dad that her husband or ex-husband was not a happy man at all like yeah so he probably was going through stuff for a long time yeah so blue goes home mom is making a new photo album as (laughs) moms do and blue apologizes like essentially blue shows her the the suicide note and apologizes and says he's going to help rebuild the hotel and then this is when we find out the hotel's covered against arson anyway yeah weird yeah and they've decided that they're going to pretend they don't know anything. Yeah. And cover all of this up. Yeah. So now we as viewers are con- like part of a conspiracy. <laughs> fraud the insurance company. <laughs> we are accomplices. Without we are. Our 
knowledge. Sky is about to leave, so she and Blue take a ride on the ATV. Just at that moment, Sterling Brock, who is a really important director, finally calls Sky back at the diner. And Sky's like, just take a message and I'll call him back. So we kind of see some growth from her character where she's not so sent like centered on her career and being an actress, which you've known this kid for like two days. And like, I can only assume this is a career that you've strived for. Maybe your parents moved to LA so that you could fulfill your dreams. Like, and now you're going to blow off this really important phone call to go on an ATV ride with Blue Baxter. Yeah. She found love in a desert place. Dad is talking to mom and he says, like, he may stop by the next time he's driving through. Booty call. And then there's another explosion. And everyone's just like, oh, that Eli, that was a big one. And the end of the movie is she has blown a hole in the piping for the aqueduct and is routing water into the water park and filling it up. I just quite here, here are my, my questions on this. Sure. Was there, is this a lake we getting into a pool? Because like, it's just running water into the dirt. Yeah, there, there's no, no pools. There's no concrete to keep the water. I don't know. They keep referring to it as a beach too. They I don't just, know. It's just mud. It's turned. It's, I, I feel like she wasted some water. There wasn't a plan. Yeah. Unless, unless it was like dug to be a man-made lake. I don't know how you go about that. (laughs) Any way that you would go about it is not what she does. So yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. You just see them kind of ride off into the ATV said she real done it now. And that's it. Like that's the end of the movie. That is Desert Blue. (laughs) (laughs) Jackie, what were we thinking? It is slow <laughs> it is it's it's very slow it i mean look it is an and indie I, movie i i get it but like we talk about this movie like it's the best thing since sliced high bread. regard highest <laughs> regard and it touched on so many adult themes that i think went way over our head like we were yeah. thinking about insurance adjusters <laughs> and arson no I think we just saw a cast of our favorite people. And they were all making out. And they were all making out. And Christina Ricci was blowing shit up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is to be noted that Morgan J. Freeman, he when he was at NYU, he did get a an internship with Todd Salons. I hope I said that right. And he hired Morgan to work on the crew of his film, Welcome to the Dollhouse. And while he was on that crew, he actually was promoted from production assistant to second assistant director. And this is when he actually befriended Brendan Sexton III, who he had star in his debut film, which was, I think, actually his thesis for Hurricane Streets. And that's important because like when you look at this cast, you kind of say, okay, what made all these people decide to be in this film, right? And I think a lot 
that have to do with it was that his his movie Hurricane Streets won a ton of awards at Sundance. So like he did this film for school essentially and then submitted it to Sundance and he I think it was like the first time somebody had won like three awards there or something. I don't know the specifics, but yeah, I think everyone was like, well, this is the the guy, you know, and so he made Desert Blue after that with Brendan. You know how there was that TikTok trend where people were going up to actors at like cons and yeah. like telling them their favorite, favorite movie? movie. This is the perfect movie to do <laughs> to one of these cast members. Yeah. Like, can you just imagine going up to like Ethan Supley, who has been in a ton of so Kevin Smith things. movies and like very near and dear to my heart, but then telling him like, I really loved your role yeah. as Kale in Desert Blue. Or Kate Hudson. Yes. Desert Blue Girl. That was so it. We saw the chops a mile away. <laughs> we knew. We have been on the Hudson train since day one. So Brendan and it is to be noted that Brendan and Christina were in the movie Packer together. Kate Hudson, Casey Affleck, and Christina Ricci were all in 200 cig- Cigarettes, both movies we've covered. And then Casey Affleck and Kate Hudson both starred in The Killer Inside Me in 2010. I'm sure there's actually more crossover than that, but I can't think of anything right now. Well, and I was thinking about it. They didn't share very many scenes like Kate Hudson, Christina Ricci, and Casey Affleck. Yeah. Uh, didn't really share many scenes in this movie. And I they did. They shared well, very few. I, I think it was like at the end of 200 Cigarettes when yeah. Casey Hudson's character got together with Casey Affleck's character. But I'm Christina sure they didn't. Christina and spend, Kate didn't. No, I'm sure they didn't get an opportunity to like spend much time on set together even though they were in subsequent movies. Yeah. I feel like maybe behind the scenes, they hung out more on this film because it's such a small film. But yeah. Another fun fact, Freeman, the director, he produced the little MTV reality TV show called mm, Laguna Beach. Ah. And he also created an executive produced the show Maui Fever and... He also produced the reality show 16 and Pregnant Teen Mom and Teen Mom 2. So I can thank him for those gems. <laughs> Thanks, Morgan. <laughs> All right. I think we are ready to tell everybody that if they have questions if they want to get mad at me about any of the rants, I don't even know all the things that I said today. Or <laughs> if they just want to say hi to us hit us up at no more late fees on instagram facebook tiktok twitter or youtube and let's get into those ratings i guess i'll start i'm torn you know i i hear you <laughs> i don't know mm. will i watch this again I don't think so, Jackie. The same day? <sighs> I I think it's going to be a two day for me. Okay. I don't hate it. Obviously, it's still near and dear to my heart. 
it's still a Jackie and Daniel movie, has a lot of good nostalgia tied to it, but I'm not rewatching it. <laughs> For me, I, I agree. <laughs> There's a lot of nostalgia tied to it. It's not a terrible movie. Like, we have watched way worse. Off. We have. We have. Uh, and I will say, like, I just, 40-year-old Jackie doesn't want to watch, like, a indie kind of dramedy. Yeah. Uh, if I'm putting something on, I'm putting on a comedy or something, like, fast-paced Marvel movie, something like that. But it's not terrible. I am going to give it a five-day rental. And I, I just think, like, it, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. It, it's just not something that I'm. It's going to be a go-to movie that I throw on all the time. But if someone said I've never seen that, I'd like to watch it. I would most definitely watch it with them. And Ken really enjoyed the movie. So, <laughs> <laughs> like that was pretty good. I was like, okay, well, yeah, the acting was great. Yeah, it really is just like a day in the life. Yeah, but it's not a day in the life I want to live. And, right and you just have to be in the mood to watch it, I think. Right. It's I, not a throw on and like do laundry and get the housework done or if you're sick and just need a comfort movie. It's not that for me, but it's still a, a very well done movie, I think. Yeah. Okay, well, we actually have... <laughs> a message in our quick drop danielle and so i am going to attempt to play it i have not listened to it it is from our dear friend nick he had opinions about the notebook that's pretty much as much as i know okay okay here we go here is nick's take on our notebook episode <laughs> hey what's up jackie and danielle it's nick driving to work i just finished the notebook episode it was a delight but i can't get like three thoughts out of my head so I had to I had to get them out. So number one was thinking about the sort of like speaking on behalf of like cis hetero white dudes of a certain age and how what a what a glow up Rachel McAdams in the notebook was for us. Because like we went from like, you know, teen, you know, babes, quote unquote. I'm thinking like, you know, Jennifer Love Hewitt and Can't Hardly Wait and, you know, Jessica Alba and Sarah Michelle Keller and, you know, like, and that, and then all of a sudden we get Rachel McAdams in the notebook and, like, the, the style and the poise and the fire is like, oh, goodness, what is happening here? I never really put that together until I was listening to the finals. Like, oh, man, that was kind of like a big step forward for us, you know, as young dudes of the era. But speaking of young dudes of the era, the other thing that, like, really got me, I was thinking a lot about James Marsden and how, like, so I teach about communication and identity and about how, like, the, our identities are kind of reciprocal. Like, we kind of, like, gravitate towards people that we want to be like, but those people we want to be like kind of teach us how to be. And I realized, like, I was thinking about how much, like, like in retrospect, I don't know if either of y'all do this, but in retrospect, thinking about how much of my identity is kind of, like, shaped by James Marsden, <laughs> sort of, like, kind, sad, sappy, handsome, like, the perfect dude never gets the girl. Like, I kind of always gravitated towards that dude i always really liked james marsden especially like can we get some love for james marsden and hairspray oh, he's so good but man i just i don't know like a weird thing to love but i just love james marsden and then lastly speaking about love it makes me just kind of sad that jackie just hates romance but also i feel like ultimately it's part of her charm if jackie like swooned because 
you know, Ryan Gosling could do the dirty dancing lift and crazy people love. Like, if that made Jackie faint, then she wouldn't be Jackie, and, and we wouldn't be where we are. So, as much as it makes me sad, it also makes me very happy, because Jackie is who she is, and we love her. All right, thanks. This is a great episode of the pod. Really appreciate y'all. Be kind, rewind. <laughs> that was a lot to unpack. <laughs> I'm still trying to wrap my brain around it. <laughs> I mean, I think him saying that Rachel McAdams coming to the scene was a good thing. And I, I feel like all the other women that you've mentioned <laughs> brought different things. I think we should just be happy we have Rachel McAdams in our life. But I get what you're saying. She just brought like sophistication. I guess to... so. But Sarah Michelle Geller is sophisticated. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. We'll have none of that slander. <laughs> And we had Carrie Russell before that. I'm just saying, there were people. But I'm glad we have Rachel McAdams in our life. And James Marston is actually a really good platform, though. Like, he, yeah. I don't know him personally, but he has seemed to be unproblematic and has played so many good roles. And you do feel bad for him. Like, he doesn't, I think about Patrick Dempsey in mm -hmm. that movie, Sweet Home Alabama. And he plays the guy that doesn't get the girl and he's kind of nice, but I could still get a douche feeling about him. You never yeah. get that with James Marston in, in the notebook. Like you legitimately are like torn. Like you could yeah. feel Allie being torn between those two. And he just, he's so good. Like he's such a good comedic actor, like him being on 30 Rock and just like not being afraid to make fun of himself. And he can do silly, like, I'm going to say it. Sonic the Hedgehog? Don't sleep on those movies. <laughs> okay? The first one was entertaining. I have not watched the second one, Dan. And I know that I told you that you <laughs> need to. That second one? <laughs> dying. Okay? The legit good movie. And he was really good in, in those. And he can sing. He can dance. I mean, a solid, solid picnic. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's great. And yes, Jackie would not be Jackie. I Sometimes when she says these things, I want to hug her. And I'm like, what trauma are we? Who hurt you? Yeah, like, I mean, I, mean, I already know the answer, but it's just like, oh, God, my poor baby. Damaged. I am who I am. At <laughs> least I I own it and I'm apologetic apologetic about it. <laughs> yes, yes. I look, I get it. And it's just I value different things as romance than like what typically people value as romance. Right. So it's just a lot of a lot of the tropes just don't get me the same way other things do. Well, my sister would say my Cancer and Gemini placements in my Venus house make me a fucking sap sucker for <laughs> this stuff. But also you being a Pisces is kind of, it's kind of weird because like y'all live in fantasy that that's like your personalities. So I'm a little surprised that, that you don't fall into the romance trope. I, I live in fantasy. I just don't, <laughs> I don't, my house is not in romance lane. <laughs> it's just a different fantasy. I got yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, if you have any opinions that you'd like to share, hit us up at our quick drop like Nick did, 909-601 and MLF 909-601-6653. Twat us at the Twitters or leave a message on our Anchor FM account, which is great for our international listeners. And you could be featured on a future episode. Um, and join us next week as we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Daredevil and our pals Mike and Mike are joining us again, which super excited for that. Absolutely. Anytime we can talk Marvel with them is a really good time. <laughs> I think we've like pigeonholed them into a Marvel box. And I don't think they're mad about it. No, I don't think so. <laughs> and as always, be kind and rewind.